0: Boys and girls, thank you for tuning in to the Big Honker Podcast. Listen, you can go to Spotify right now and you can watch everything unfold. You don't, it's on, the video portion is on Spotify and it's on YouTube. So either way, uh, we greatly appreciate it. Will it's, we get kicked off Spotify as much as YouTube?
1: I sure hope not. That'll be a good thing. That's a good. That might be a good thing. venue for us. Uh,
0: first up, we are brought to you by the great Boss Shot Shells. It Home.
1: Of the brand new number nines, the Stanfield Nines. That's right. The Stanfield Nines by Boss. Mm-hmm. Perfect for teal hunting, dove hunting, quail hunting. Folks, your smaller birds. It's coming down the road where you're not going to be shooting lead no more at all. So you might as well jump on the train and get on the Stanfield Nines. Also,
0: turkey season is firing up all over the United States. You got Boss Tom out there. It is very, very wicked. And I tell you what.
1: People loved it in Nashville. Yes, they did. The turkey, they were buying them left and right.
0: I didn't get to go, but that's what I
1: heard. Maybe next year you can go. Go
0: check them out. They're direct-to-consumerbossshotshells.com, and you can order everything that you want. That simple. Also, we're brought to you by Mossberg. We shot that 940 all season long.
1: Boy, I saw a couple of over unders they had at their booth in Nashville. You're all about Mm-mm-mm. it. Mm mm mm. Nice, good looking guns.
0: Good thing about the 940 is everything is oversized. So your buttons and your and your uh, levers, you know, you're gonna be. It's gonna. It's a waterfowl gun. You, you can get be a hold wearing of wearing gloves. You might be fingers a little bit cold. Everything's oversized. Easy to operate in cold weather.
1: Mossberg.com.
0: Mossberg.com. We are also brought to you by none other than Pacific Calls. The guys up there, at Pacific Calls, have got a new line of turkey calls coming out. Kill count. It's going to be out this week. Jeff's eating a peppermint. Sounds real good in the microphone. Um, check them out. PacificCustomCalls.com. Listen, we got a promo code BHP25. Will save you twenty five percent off of checkout. Whatever you get, whether it be waterfowl calls, turkey calls, doesn't matter you can save 25% uh, pacificcustomcalls.com. Be looking for that kill count, though, because I'm very, very excited about it. We're also brought to you by Dive Bomb Industries. It's time for you to get skinny. Silhouettes are the way to go. Uh, Socks, silhouettes, Dive Bomb has changed the game whenever you look at the way you set out a decoy spread. Everything, you got to get the bag, so everything packs up extra nice and neat. Uh, Dive Bomb, it's an investment ladies and gentlemen. It's much easier to have five or 10 dozen dive bombs in your trailer than it is to monkey around with full bodies all season long. They look great. They're coming out with an all new line of fully flocked decoys. So uh, be on the lookout for that. Divebombindustries.com. It's not too late to start building that spread for next year. We are also brought to you by Gundog Outdoors. Mr. Alex Langbell spent a lifetime in the first responders game. He knows what you need to keep your four-legged hunting buddy safe. Field trauma kit. We got it in every vehicle out here. Stop bleeding. Keep Get warmed up. Cool off. Save a lot of lives. It can. So you never know when you're going to need that thing. So just have it on hand. Have one in your vehicle. Have one in your hunting bag. They've also got the quick release system. I put Lou in it every single day. Tethers onto his collar. And then you just pull a little string whenever you're ready for him to go. No more dogs breaking. I hate when I see that on Instagram. Post people post these big rainouts and the dogs running out in the middle of it. Put that little fucker on the quick release system from Gun Dog Outdoors, and it might save his life. Also, we're brought to you by Shin Gear. They're not just a sweater company anymore.
1: Bibs, well, vests, boots, jackets, jackets, everything,
0: everything. The best part about Shin Gear is every they're they're tailoring their stuff to be completely waterproof. I wore their bibs all season long. Now that I can talk about it, totally waterproof, totally windproof, hunted in a couple downpours, never got wet jacket, same way. Uh, they make a great product over there and their waiters are second to none. And they've got the guarantee that they will stand behind their product as long as you stand in them. So if you run into a problem, a little snag, a little burr barbed wire, send them back, they'll fix them. Okay. Great customer service, which is lost in today's world. Jeff Jones is a great guy.
1: Great guy. Great customer service. Excellent customer service.
0: Check them out. ShinGear.com. Lucky
1: Duck. That's right. Saw Tim and Luke this last weekend in Nashville, and they have all kinds of new lines of stuff. They got a bunch of new stuff coming out. A great company. I'll tell you right now, if you put your dog in a dog kennel, it needs to be in a Lucky Duck dog kennel.
0: That's the way Lou rides. Crash rated. Five-star crash test rated.
1: Has a fan in there, don't Got it? a
0: fan in there for his little fat ass in September and October. Flat screen we're TV, hunting, watch Scooby-Doo. That's all that we need. It's got a nice little bed in there. Uh, people are varmint hunting right now. They've got an incredible sound system for for varmints. And I tell you what, I want to shoot a raccoon. I saw... Uh, that raccoon
1: hunting looks fun, don't it? It
0: does look fun. You can do it with the lucky duck. Just got a little tail on there, and a the little bastard will just come right up. Um... Best day frames on the market, the Lucky Duck 2x4 blind, and still have the best uh, motion decoys. Spinners, they got swimmers, they got all sorts of stuff. So whatever you're needing, if you're needing to get motion into your spread, I would check out LuckyDuck.com. They're the best. We are also brought to you by the boys up at uh, the Looking Glass Podcast. Go to Patreon, type in Looking Glass Podcast. You donate to their account, and you will get their entire library of debauchery, i tell you what, Logan and Rebel are some of the best human beings on Earth, and they run a fantastic podcast. You need to go to Patreon right now and subscribe to their podcast. It will change your life. It will make those long drives uh, seem like minutes. So go check them out at the Looking Glass podcast. We're also brought to you by the Hunt Proof app. Keep your hunts alive by writing them down
1: you will regret that when you get older if you don't if i wish i'd give anything if i'd have had this from when i was younger to keep back all of my stuff i did just to keep track the records the hunts the weather what happened that day because man it just takes a little bit of reminder and you can go back and relive all them things in your mind
0: you can post pictures to your entry so not only do you have what you've written down but if it's a special hunt and you've got a picture you can attach it to the entry also so uh, they're onto something over there at the Hunt Proof app and you need to go set up an account right now. It's easy to find. Go to the app store, whether you're iPhone, Android, whatever, go to your app store, download the Hunt Proof app and start logging your hunt. Start logging your memories with your loved ones. We're also brought to you by Alpha Outdoors Specialties, maker of the Stanfield Stool. And from what I hear, it's going to be really, really nice.
1: And the blind caddy. And the blind
0: caddy. They had in Nashville. Nashville, that's going to change the way that you sit in an A-frame. Keep your coffee, shotgun shells, keep it all out of the mud. So be looking for that from Alpha Outdoor Specialties. We're also brought to you by Bangtail Whiskey. It is not for the faint of heart. Bangtail embodies a select few who believe in hard work and relish in the opportunity to take a step back to enjoy the fruits of their labor. Whether relaxing for a midweek swallow or communing on the weekend with quality people, Bangtail is sure to provide a truly unique and tasteful experience time and time again. With Deep Southern Roots, Bangtail provides a first-class, handcrafted whiskey experience. Pour a jigger of Bangtail and enjoy. Must be 21 years
1: or older. Brought to you by Dirty Duck. There you go. If your coffee sucks, it's not the duck. They got all kinds of new stuff. They have a copper wine glass. What? Bring one of them home for Michelle. She wanted one of those. They had some uh, copper coffee cups, mugs. They sold out of them before I could get one of them. And they got some really cool caps. Their, their swag is out of this world. Check out dirtyduck.com. Coffee, they ship it all over the place. Had a guy from England message me yesterday and said, hey, will they send coffee to England? I, I need to call, contact Buck and find out if they do. But anyways, they will ship it anywhere and everywhere. And that's Dirty Duck. If your coffee sucks, it's not the duck. It's the way to go. And brought to you by Ducks Unlimited. We will have David on here on the podcast next couple weeks talk about Ducks the event at Texas Motor Speedway in May—it's uh, crazy that that's right around the corner. Yep. When you think about it, skies are full. It's because of Ducks Unlimited. They have con- conservation hunters are the best conservationists. Ducks Unlimited is best the best platform for conservation in America or in the world for that matter. So please go check out DU and look for a local event.
0: Uh, also, we're brought to you by Double T British Kennels. If you are in the market for a new little hunting buddy this offseason, I would highly recommend that you go check out Double T British Kennels. They've got fantastic dogs. Whatever you're looking for. New puppy, started dog, finished dog. They've got it all. Double T British Kennels, and they've got a very, very good bloodline and cute little, cute little guys. We hunted over two of his dogs this past uh, winter. Adam and Sam were two of the best. Very, very well-mannered, and they were really good in the field. So, Double T British Kennels is the way to go. Last but not least, we're brought to you by Stanfield Hunting Outfitters. We've got just maybe one. We can take on one more turkey hunter this year, one or two more. No, we're booked. We're booked. Never mind. That's gone. Uh, If you want to book for dove hunting.
1: Yep. I've got the second weekend of dove season open, September 8th, and then I can do a corporate I can do two corporate groups during the week and one in September and one in October. I don't have the dates on me right now, but anyways, holler at us. If you're looking for a dove hunt, dove seasons, fixing to start filling in. Uh, most of it's filled in already, but I do have some dove hunting spots available. Just look us up at stanfieldhunting.com. Thank, Thank y'all. God bless y'all and have a wonderful week.
0: Okay, ladies and gentlemen, this episode of the podcast, we are joined by Phil Calley. He goes by uh, Phil's My Pharmacist on TikTok. He's got a million and a half followers, really, really good guy. Follow him on TikTok, Phil's My Pharmacist, and he's on uh, Instagram and all over the place. So interesting podcast. Please enjoy it. Here he is, Phil Calley. That, that, and that. Here we go. Here we go. Three,
1: two, one. Boom! And welcome to the Big Honker Podcast brought to you by Shin Gear. I'm Jeff Stanfield with the world-famous Andy Shaver.
0: That's right. And I am excited about this one. Uh, you, I tell you what, I, there's a lot of people that I follow on TikTok, and you are by far my favorite. We even got on matching t-shirts, it looks like. Uh, Phil Kelly Phil's my pharmacist on TikTok and a million and a half followers last time I looked.
2: Yeah, we're sitting about a million and a half. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. To see that
0: you. is insane that you have a million and a half followers. What has this been like from uh, just, you know, you had a, a pharmacist and then now all of a sudden a million and a half people have eyes
2: on you? Well, it, it came out of necessity. So you know, I ran my own store for 20 years, In 20 years. I'm showing up at 9 a.m., going home at 9 p.m., working all the way through. And then, and then 2020 comes and wrecks me because we don't sell any COVID shots. I don't do any of that stuff. I don't just don't do any of it. because I. And uh, we were inside of a hospital and I actually looked at it and thought, well, this business model is going to kill you in the long run because it's just going to die one day. There's going to be this cliff that comes from it. And so I don't do any of it. And there I am sitting in 2020, seeing 20 years, 21 years of my life, just tank. I mean, I have four boys, you know, and I miss out on soccer games and everything else because I got to run the business. And then margins drop and it tanks. I'm like, well, well, hell, I'm not I'm not going to let it go under. So I'm like, well, you can't go on radio. There's no money on radio to put advertisement. And so I said, well, why don't we start 2021 in June? I started on Instagram. Why don't we just do Instagram? Maybe I can get 1,000 people. And one of the guys I'm working with said, hey, you had to do TikTok. And here comes October. I'm like, great, let's do TikTok. And the first one we do... We launch it on a Saturday, and I get like a hundred views, and I'm disappointed. Like, oh crap, whatever. Because <laughs> by that time, I'd got like uh, a thousand people on Instagram, which was nothing. You know, it was fine, it was good. And then two days later, I have two of them hit in a row. I'm I'm at 120,000 in three days after I'm being on TikTok. What?
0: That's yeah. nuts.
2: So then, then we just flip through. Now we've been going what 18 months. And, you know, TikTok, TikTok's kind of the devil's platform because it just does what it wants. There's no, everybody's like, well, this is what you do with the algorithm. Don't believe them. (laughs) Nobody knows a thing about the algorithm. (laughs) I mean, I think there's just like one guy who's like pushing buttons. Like it doesn't even make sense. Right, right. Yeah. But, but what I found is my, my, there was this huge need for pharmacists because nobody knows what to do with them now. So I just started telling people what I tell them if they walk in my store.
0: Yeah. I hate TikTok. I'm, I'm going to level with you because it's just like you said. It's the devil's platform because you don't know what's going to hit. Like, you think that you got fire. Uh, I did a video two weeks ago or something like that, three weeks ago. Anyway, it got uh, almost 700,000 views. And, you know, oh. fire. Great. Next video I did, 1,000. It's like, what the hell? Like, why? So I posted a video similar to the one that caught fire, and it it's not done as well. But I I... I can't stand TikTok just because of the inconsistency. I can kind of tell on Instagram how a post is going to do TikTok. There's big swings.
2: There's well, there's nothing you do. It's like it's like trying to convince your wife that you're a good person. <laughs> one day you'll do things. You'll you'll clean up the house, get it all done, and she'll be happy with you. You'll do the same thing three days later, and she's yes, pissed. It's the same. It's, it doesn't work. You can't, Karen. So uh, my suggestion to everybody is: is that screw the algorithm. Right. Make something that's worth something to one person. Yeah. And that one person is more important than that 700,000 That's get. true, too.
0: So what was it like going from, you know, you're, you're just in your... People know you in your town and, you know, right. I'm sure they like you or dislike you, but they've got a reason one way or the other. And then now all of a sudden you got a right. million and a half people. Um, I'm, I'm assuming that it has not all been positive. What's it like whenever people <laughs> don't like you just because you, you know, you gave some... Uh, remedy to something that didn't quite fit their way of looking at the world?
2: Uh, well, there's two different types. There's the ones that you interrupt their business. So when there was no amoxicillin for kids, yeah. you couldn't find it any place, right? I'm like, well, there, that's an easy fix. You open up this capsule, you pour it into this. It's a way you go. There's like, out of things to stress in the world, it's nothing, right? So I throw that out there and I get immediate whiplash from compounding pharmacists, pharmacists that were making a ton of money off of charging ridiculous amounts of money to do that for people, because now they're not making as much money because they can just do it. So I get, I think the state board said they got 1200 calls because I showed people how to do that. And so I have state board standing in my store because I had the audacity of teaching people how to take care of kids. Wow. And so my first thought process screw all you guys i don't care like it, people needed to know this they're so rare if you actually get to do something that's worthwhile in this life like you can shovel your neighbor's walks well you guys are in texas yeah. so hopefully you never have to. No. you guys are a mess when it it's yeah it's there. awful
0: it's all we don't even have power when it snows down here
2: <laughs> it's but you know i'm like you know what and so i got on the phone with i said you know what i'm not doing this i'll have a meeting with the whole board and and i sat down with them and i said you know I didn't give anything. That's not already out there. All of the information I have is already available. I'm not doing anything dangerous. And they said, well, we'll see. And that was the end of that. But um, on that second post that I did at the very beginning, there's this doctor out of, out of, uh, I think he's in Pennsylvania. His name's Dr. Rubin. I don't even know where he found me. He likes to throw hate at me all the time. It used to bother me, but now I, I realize he's just, He's just hitching his wagon to my, to my, my car that's going. Cause he ain't going anywhere. Right. So.
1: Right. Well, I learned, um, I'm not a big TikTok guy, but when you were coming on the podcast, I started watching your stuff and you had some really interesting takes on things or not takes interesting ways of fixing things. The moxicillin you talked about, you talked about one that was a mosquito bite or a bug bite that I watched. And one was a mouthwash that you mm-hmm. done. And it was all common sense. And I can understand why these compound pharmacists don't like it because you're costing them money. And I also understand now why your platform grows like you do because people like me don't trust the government. We don't trust the FDA, but we trust a person. And if we get a guy that we trust that's educated, that's why people are going to follow you. They want answers to stuff. How often do people message you wanting to know about making some kind of special medicine for some problem they have? Is that pretty common?
2: Yeah, every day, like last night I had three from that jumped out at me. One of them was this a little girl's getting chronic uh, cold sores and she's seven. And the mom wants to do something other than just give her her um, acyclovir because the acyclovir liquids cost her like $300. And she's like, what else can you do? So I kind of walked her through the whole L-Lycene. And if you're not transforming the, tr- the lysine properly, that it gives that skin the ability to keep showing it. And I don't ever tell people what to do. I actually am like a big, I think people are a lot smarter <laughs> than most of the people in power give them credit for. I think that they look at the mass as a bunch of dumb animals. Mm-hmm. And I think that the people, I think the difference between, I think they're smart. I think most people are really smart. They're just uneducated. They don't know the right questions to ask. They don't understand things. And so being uneducated doesn't mean that you're unintelligent. Right. So, and and as soon as you respect somebody, it's amazing how fast that person wants to see you succeed. It's people are inspiring. You know, you just, you give people information. they are like, you know what? You were nice to me once. I'm going to be nice to you 7,000 times. I'm putting you every place. And that's how I grow. I think is I treat people with respect and like, just because I have this knowledge for 20 years. I mean, honestly, there's not a compounding pharmacist out there that can outdo me like, because I've been doing it forever. But I would never, I would never think that there's not a compound of pharmacists out there that couldn't teach me. And I don't think that there's not a parent that can teach me. Something. Right. And you give people respect, boom, they're your friends for life. Yeah.
1: People hitch their wagon now on good people because good people are hard to find. I'm 55 years old. When I was a kid, that you you hitched your wagon on people that were on TV. You thought, oh, that's a good person. Well, most of them weren't good people. Johnny or, Carson was awful. Yeah. Or, or, but he was very well liked because people he, thought he was a he good was person, the but there was a lot of people like that. Our politicians, you know, athletes, and we found out most of them are not good people. Yeah. Not, not, not saying that athletes, I, I should never put anybody in the same category as a politician. A politician. Matter of fact, did did, <laughs> did you see Biden's hot mic yesterday? That, I, I think that that had to be fake. I don't think so. I didn't
2: see and it. He well, walked it? off
1: the stage in Poland and he walked off the stage. He goes, well, do you think they bought that bullshit? And his I, assistant said, oh, absolutely. And he said, good, let's get out of here. Yeah, I believe that. Well, what
0: was it about? Was it about the vaccine?
1: Uh, no, I don't even remember because I don't listen to none of his shit. I'm sure it was about the vaccine or us sending more money to Ukraine. That's their two favorite things to do these days. But anyways, it was just, it was typical, though, the hot mic deal. Do you think they bought that bullshit? The people, you, the, people the citizens of the United States are the dumbest people in the, in the world right now. <laughs> We just buy whatever the hell they feed us. Well, so a guy like you teaches us something, and that's why people res- are coming to you because they they appreciate that. What what is? Um, I've got a cold right now, and um, yeah, I went to go buy some Dayquil a minute you ago.
0: You got to do you got to do the drip, Jeff. You got to watch his videos. You got to do the you got to do the post nasal drip. That's I why you're
1: sick.
2: I haven't had a... You're on top, man. think? See, I don't even
1: know. I, I got Education. it. I- I haven't had a cold. I haven't been sick in two years, three years. I'm going to be honest with you, though. I take a mox, not a I take ivermectin every three weeks. That's probably overdoing it. I take a, I take two cc's every three weeks, and I haven't been sick at all. Uh, my grandkids have had the stomach virus and everything. I'm going to be throwing up here in about 15 there minutes, probably. Yep. But I have been. We have stayed. Me and my wife haven't been sick at all, really, because of that. What is something I can do? Because I didn't have any day quill a minute ago and I like it because it doesn't make me drowsy and it dries me up. What's something over the counter counter I can get or not over the something I can make at home?
2: So I'm a big fan of iodine when it comes to nose stuff. So there's back in I got kind of lit up in 2021, I think it was, because there's a product out there called Planaris. Um and it's got it's got iodine in it. And iodine reduces viral load in the sinuses. So what that means is if if you have a virus, the virus, is, you have to believe in viruses, just so you know. <laughs> I mean, viruses are gonna be here long after we are gone. Yeah. Like these guys, they're they're killing machines, right? And so viruses, if we can reduce the viral load, then your immune system has a better chance of catching up and, and getting everything taken care of. So if you take um, Panaris, Panaris has iodine in it, and you take, uh, the Panaris is like $12, and you take one milliliter out of that bottle that's 30 and you put it into a nasal spray. My favorite is Nasacort um, because it's an aqueous base and you can get it now for $12. So between the two, you're $24 for this stuff. You take one milliliter of Panaris and put it in the Nasacort. You put two sprays each nostril twice a day. That ends up giving you just the right amount of iodine in there to reduce the viral load to give your body that extra little oomph to fight it. That's my favorite thing to do. It's topical. It's iodine and a little bit of a steroid. It's cheap. I love the stuff.
0: That's it, Jeff. Love. That's all you got to do. Uh, you only have to take medicine. Just so I, I need a little squirt up the nose. Nasal cord. I
2: think and
1: we Panaris. have some. And what is Panaris? How do you spell that? I want to make sure I got it right.
2: P-O-N-A-R-I-S. What? And it's it'll last you a lifetime. Because I think iodine is like way underused because, because there was a time where iodine was overused. So it got this bad reputation. Right. And so everybody it overdid it because that's what people do, you know. If, if one rib's good, you eat all of them. Mm, exactly. <laughs> Stopping at four, and so I love the iodine. I love I like the iodine product in the nose because you don't have to treat. You know, if you take um, NyQuil and you're over the age of 40, there's a chance that your your stream of pee is going to be slowed way down, and you're going to dry. You're going to have a dry mouth, and then you're going to have a cracked nose, and you're going to have. And so instead of going that direction, I'm like, well, if you can stay right where your problem is in that nose. It's magic. Right. Uh, I'm going to try that then.
0: You know, I want to go back to what you were talking about earlier about people being not dumb, but uneducated. What's so interesting, <laughs> and I think COVID more than anything did this, is everybody was so used to nothing upsetting the apple cart. Like we're always yep. kind <clears> of, <throat> I don't have a code. I don't have a cold. Um, but everybody was just kind of used to everything being stable and in a good place. And we, you know, we... Back then, we kind of half-ass trusted the government a little bit, um, but through COVID, people have had to become more aware of and more responsible for their own self and their own family more than any other time that I've been alive, for sure. What about, you? I mean, Jeff, you're 55, but you, know. just, you when you grew up, though, everybody kind of assumed responsibility anyway.
2: Yeah, we didn't want But we, didn't, we really
0: got dependent on the government in the two thousands. And then COVID comes along and now everybody's kinda having
1: to figure things out on on shortages. We had miracle medicine though when I was growing up, things that worked. Like uh my grandmother always believed and my dad used to say this all the time, an enema.
2: If something's oh. wrong with
1: you, give you an enema, you know, sprain <laughs> your knee, give you an enema. So I don't know what happened to that deal. What about monkey blood? When I was a kid, if you scraped yourself up, your parents gave you monkey blood. Do you remember that stuff? I think it was my,
2: Yes, boy it'd burn like some bitch. It's gone like crazy and it it's lovely stuff. It's I, when every time I go down to Mexico I buy Mecuracrome <laughs> every single time. <laughs> I was hanging garage doors um all the way through college so my hands would get just beat up bad. And you get those cracks on your knuckles that wouldn't go. You throw some Mecuracrome on that stuff. Boom. First you'd scream and cry cuz it hurt <laughs> so bad, but then 3 days later that's that it was all the way had bottle from way back. My dad had it, and he used it in his, in his truck for construction. And so I said, "When you're done, I get to have it." And I mean, it does have mercury in it, so you know there is that. But but it, I like this stuff. I'm a I'm a big believer in mercury. So, the, so
1: they sell it in Mexico still.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be careful because there's one that has the mer- the right stuff, and the, well, it's like everything else in Mexico. Mm-hmm. You gotta fire beware. So yeah, <laughs> but yeah, they have it. You can go get it. So if you're down in Tulum or Cozumel or whatever it is, Andy, getting some. So
0: yeah. We'll look for it. I'm telling but you. But what about the what about the mercury though? Because can't you get mercury poisoning?
2: You don't have that much. Yeah, but I mean, it's there's it's so little amounts of it that it, You know, you're talking about putting on a knuckle. It's one thing. You want to paint half your leg? I'd have an <laughs> issue with it. I just put on my knuckles. So it's it's that's part of education though. So we've got to such a point that, you know. If something is carcinogenic, it, it's it makes national news and it's this big deal, and everybody's calling me, and said, Oh, I took that medicine for years and it's carcinogenic. Do I need to be worried? And and I then I say to them, I'm like, Well, when was the last time you used your grill? And they're like, Well, I use my grill every Sunday. I'm like, Well, there's more carcinogens on your beef than there ever is going to be in your I'm not saying that we should keep it in there, right. but we we can create this this hoopla over something and, and for whatever reason, instead of taking two seconds and saying, what do I know? And how does this work with my knowledge base? I've had over my case, 47 years. People are now just like, it's at that moment. It's like, it's the only thing that exists. And I think that that hype, the virality of news and information has made it be the only thing you think about. And so it's been an interesting ride for me. I think that it's I think people are a lot smarter than they think, but they just listen too close.
1: Yeah. I'm going to buy me some monkey blood when we're in Mexico. Don't put it I'm, on my I, grandkids. I'm, on telling grandkids. You, I'm telling you right now, this is the way it would be. You'd cut That's yourself green. and you'd have your parents blowing on it before they even <laughs> put the medicine on there. Blow it, blow it, blow it. You know, blow It burned like some bitch, but it made you better. Um, my mother-in-law has got a, an insect bite that makes it go away. And it's funny, she uses green alcohol, which you can't find green alcohol, for, and uses a baby aspirin and puts it in there and then dabs it on your, burn, your the, the mosquito bite and it quits itching.
2: So inside the green alcohol, because I've got some here, it's got wintergreen oil in it, with the, which is a methyl salicylate. And then what she does is she doubles the amount of salicylate that's in there when she puts the... The baby aspirin. So when you put the salicylate in there, it's going to reduce the inflammation that causes that edema. The edema is the way that that that, that bite jumps up at you, and when it stretches, that stimulates the st- stretch receptors, which releases more histamine. So what she's doing is she's getting ahead of the inflammation topically, and she's going to have enough salicylate by doing those both of those things that the chances of you getting a secondary infection are less because that much salicylate would slow down the bacteria growth, and that's really what you worry about with insect bites. So I I totally jump on board on that. I think it'd be fine. It'd work great.
1: What the hell? What? How did I, I don't know how people come up with these things. Well, I'm sure someone that's a pharmacist told her grandmother about it a okay, hundred years ago. But
0: so I mean, what's the so that you just ran through that problem in two seconds flat? So like, do you just Silence. as a pharmacist, you just know <laughs> enough about every different thing, and you know that when it combines, that it's going to do all these different things. So when
2: you go hunting. The guy you trust most is the guy that's been in the most problem, right? Right, yeah. And got out. it.
0: Yeah. Him.
2: Like, like honestly, it's the guy who's been skunked enough times that he knows where to move. It's the guy who's been hurt, whatever it is. You trust him. And it's it's got nothing to do with age. It has to do with experience. So in my case, my little store, I don't think there was a, a year where I didn't have to fight to keep this thing open. So every time I did that, I would learn more. I would have to stretch and so, no, most pharmacists that sit in the back of a supermarket would know that because I know that. I actually know that because we had to get, we had an old doctor that wanted the green alcohol. So then when I had pulled it up, I'm like, it has methyl salicylate. And then I've done like eight posts on different muscle rubs. And so when it comes to methyl salicylate, I've got, I've got all sorts of information. And so what I did is I took some from an old, an old orthopod, taught me a little bit then I have an allergist that's close, so I know which allergy produces what. And then I've been working a lot close with um, with natural medicine people lately. And so you glean this information. It's the same way the hunter that you guys know, the one that's get been skunked and been hurt. And, right. you know, he's been through enough like, well, let me just teach you this so you don't have to do it all. I think that that's the key is that information and being able to draw from a wealth of information. Right. You can't study that crap in books. It's 20 years of almost losing my store over and over again that's put me to where I know this. Stuff, Experience, you know. That's it. In,
1: in chemistry. Okay. Um, I've got a question for you. Are you are you worried to me it's a big problem when you watch TV these days and 9 out of 10 ads are from Pfizer or
0: 75%, I just looked it up this morning.
1: Uh, of all ads <clears throat> are medical ads. When I grew from up pharmacy, from a pharmacy company. When I grew up the only ads I remember, and you're gonna laugh, but this is the truth. The only ad I remember about health growing up was was freaking Massingale douches. They were that was the only thing on to make you feel like a spring right. morning, you know, <laughs> running through the wildflowers was the deal.
2: Did it work for you? Yeah.
1: <laughs> I, I never had to buy one, but the, but there was there was not ads for medicine, and that's all that's right. all, I mean, on football now. It's a, it's Pfizer. They well, they the-
0: got C- Cialis and Viagra, so they know their target audience, Jeff.
1: And now this new COVID medicine they want to give you when you get COVID, you're supposed to start taking these pills.
0: Oh, Zempic's popular.
2: Paxlovid. Hey, you want to talk about something? Yeah. Paxlovid. Paxlovid. So that's, that's it. They COVID's over, okay. So, so right now the government gives you free Paxlovid for the next few months, right? It's not free. You know how much it costs the federal government for each packet?
1: A bunch. Mm-hmm.
2: Five hundred and twenty dollars. Yep. They spent, they spent ten billion dollars. Ten with a billion, with a B, on Paxlovid. Ooh. So uh, the whole DEA, the hundred percent, all of the DEA, which is stopping right now, what is it, fifty-two thousand pounds of fentanyl? They, their whole budget is two point three billion dollars. But on Paxlovid, on this one drug, on this one drug for this one drug company, they spent ten billion dollars. <sighs>
1: Making the CEO of Pfizer a wealthy man and all the stockholders who are all the but Congress. I mean is that
0: how it works? Like they just rub my back, I'll well, rub they, yours.
2: Yes. Well, who is the who's the guy the the well guy that shows all of the trades by all of the? There's a guy we talked about it yesterday. Something.
0: Yeah, there's a well, there's um, a Twitter that does there's a Twitter account that does it. It's called Nancy Pelosi stock uh, account or something like that.
2: Well, and there's one that does both sides. Both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no.
0: This guy does. He he does.
2: And it's crazy when you look how well they do in the stock exchange. I, I don't want to scream conspiracy, but I do say that I wish I knew what they knew because cool. my stock didn't do that good. No,
1: uh, we looked it up yesterday. What are the forty percent? I think. Oh, oh, Pat Crenshaw, that real proud veteran of Texas. He got forty-four percent last year's what yeah, he made. What's
0: his return?
2: Yeah, mine's like eleven. Yeah, you right.
1: know, yours is normal you know (laughs)
2: yeah yeah. i was proud of 11 it's not seven you know i I thought i was doing good yeah but But it's bad if you're a congressman
1: though but
2: it's terrible well i just i think it's you know when you talk about it this was real money you know what you know what we could do with helping really poor people or help bring infrastructure in or change where we get our medicines we're not getting it out of the country with 10 billion dollars instead we bought this 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 medication. And it works good. Don't get me wrong. It keeps like 80% of people out of the hospital, but you're keeping people, the average age of a COVID death was 79 years old. The average age of an overdose death is 37. Wow. So, so you have these decisions that are, we spent a thousand times more on, on COVID and stopping that than we did on Alzheimer's. That's crazy. It, a thousand times. That means a thousand years we won't catch up. And how many people <laughs> die of Alzheimer's
1: every year? I'm shocked at that it's thirty seven on overdoses. I figured it'd be a lot younger than that.
0: I think that's probably just, the it, mothers, isn't it? Like the people that were on a, a legal substance and then had to switch over to like the fentanyl.
2: Well, you, a lot of your overdoses come from men that are the ages of us, from all of us combined, because we're the highest rate of suicides and a lot of them are overdoses.
1: Right. I figured it was just a married guy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but there but there's a lot of it's just it's very interesting on how they spend money because I would think that there would be a pragmatic way of saying that life is all the same and so how do we save the most lives with with the impact, but it, they don't seem to make decisions that way.
0: No. Um and and I don't, and when you looked at COVID, like you had to have, didn't you have to have like three or four comor- comorbidities to even be susceptible for these things? Like overweight, uh, high blood pressure, like didn't you have to have several things working against you?
2: It actually, there's a study that just was put out about uh, the way that the lungs reacted to COVID, especially those that died early. And a lot of it had to do with genetics. So, I mean, I don't want to. I think death is sad, so don't don't. I'm not I'm not saying it is, but the idea that we thought we could slow a virus is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. We've never been successful with slowing down a virus ever. Mm-hmm. You're gonna say smallpox maybe, but you look at HIV. I mean, all we have to do is get people to wear condoms and and, and HIV, and we would have been fine. And we we couldn't do nothing for that, you know. And so. So the idea that you put this much time and money on something, that, and then come out and say, "Oh, we're going to stop this." That was crazy to me because you've been so unsuccessful to this point. It was crazy that they came out and started saying, "Oh, we can do this." Right. And in the end, did they really change anything? Oh, no. I mean, that's my.
1: Question. That's my next question for you. I didn't get a vax. Andy didn't. You can say if you want to. You do I, did. I didn't get a vax. I've had COVID three or four times. The first time was the worst, and I was. Down, out, and out for about two days, kind of. I was tired for a week, but every other time, matter of fact, last time I did it, I had a cold like I do now, and I thought that's what I did. But you've
0: me. only tested. Hold on, you've I, only tested positive. You lost your, you lost your sense of taste and smell once. Uh-huh. You t- we test. You tested positive when we came back from Puerto Rico. Yes, yeah, so two times I know that you know for sure of the other yeah, times could have just been a cold.
1: It could admit that, but the time we come back from Puerto Rico. I wasn't. I didn't feel bad at all. I didn't. I felt like crap for about a day and a half, and I was fine. I didn't, did you
0: go in for your physical? Your yeah, well, yearly physical. My
1: physical, and okay. he goes, man, you're off the charts. You just had COVID. I said, well, we just got back from Puerto Rico, and I had read that San Juan was epicenter for in the world for the most
2: but at my, that time. But
1: my question is, if we would have never ever done the vaccine and let this thing go its course, COVID would be over with. Is that is that safe to say? You think, or would it be just but like a typical cold?
2: We'd be in the same position today as we were as we are with or without the vaccine now does that mean that we didn't prolong life for some people or we didn't i'm not going to say that part but where we're at now the vaccine did not slow the progress now that we're out three years so the world would have never shut down well
0: and the two weeks to flatten the curve and all that like you knew that was going to be horseshit. like we're not it's here
2: They did, but then that just is a delay. It's like you know your your dad's gonna spank you when you get home, but he doesn't get home for two hours. I mean, two hours is gonna come around, right? Right. Right. So, and I'm not saying that there wasn't good to be gained by those two hours. The question, but I think in the longevity, they never, they never, we where we're at now would have always happened because it's now been announced that it's it's ubiquitous, it's endemic. That was last week saying that it is now endemic, meaning that it is Forever. here, it is settled in, it's normal. We're back to, to where we're at now was always the key. The question they have now is how many lives did they save or did they save lives? Well, the average death of, of COVID was 79. So being able to measure the loss of life for them in an appreciable amount is going to be pretty tricky because most Americans die at 77. So how do you even it's better. see that?
1: Right.
2: So there's a better statistic so anyway. Well and so we, we're where we're always gonna be, but we're we're really poor. You I don't know if you've ever looked at how much money how much less money was given to starving children across the world off. You know, UNICEF had some numbers out and everybody else and it was disturbing to me that we were letting children die elsewhere. Why I was spending five hundred and twenty dollars on a on a pill that I I don't know. You know, money's precious. We should be everybody's equal, I think. I, I actually think we you can't look at it and say, well, the rich guy that lives down the street from me deserves three packages of, of Paxlovid for $1,500, but the kid in Guatemala doesn't deserve to have rice. I don't know.
1: Right. What What's crazy is, is like when you go to a third world country, that they're still all alive. Like oh, you yeah? go to Mexico and COVID didn't want, COVID should have wiped out uh, Haiti. There shouldn't be a person left. That island should be gone.
0: Why? Because if we COVID, the original if COVID would have
1: done like they said it would have, it would wiped out the whole all of Africa, all the poor countries. They didn't have real medicine, they have clean water, but they're still alive.
0: They made it through better, though, didn't they? Because they, a lot of them were, uh, they didn't really stop. They were outside because there's a bunch of studies, if I'm not mistaken, that sunlight and just being active kind of reduces your chances of coming down with a tough bout of COVID.
1: The the, the answer there, though, before, let me cut you off there, pharmacist, because you're a lot smarter than I am, but I'm going to throw this out there first. That's because those people didn't go to the really hot areas where it was bad, like standing in line at a restaurant without a mask on and uh, riding on an airplane with a mask and all the other bullshit that they gave us. Those people lived their life normal, and so they were used to it. I mean, we shut down the world over the stupidest shit. You couldn't go to you couldn't go to your local hardware store, but you could go to Home Depot with safe. I mean, that's the kind of stupid shit we did here in America.
2: Well, part of the issue you've got to look at here is is that the more you test, the more you're gonna find. True. So Yes. The United States tested a lot. So we had a lot that came up positive. And and you know, if if I would have had somebody pass away here that was eighty seven years old. Before COVID, it would have been they passed away when they were 87. They'd been on hospice for six months. So no, but I had, you know, now we were testing everybody who died so we could categorize them. And so if they died, even though they'd had dementia for 10 years, but they died with COVID, they would have been counted as a COVID death. Now, COVID might have got them, but they were already on their way out, you know, because they hadn't recognized their family in six years. So all of the data that you see out there, you have to ask questions on, on almost every single case when you see it. And I don't think anybody is motivated to give us that information. Right.
0: I think it would. I, th- I think people would be very, very pissed off and very, very upset if they saw if there was a true number out there and people saw what the true number was. I think they would be shocked. I saw a study not too long ago, um, depending on what si- what news you watched. So, like, if you watch CNN religiously, you were more inclined, and this was a study, um, how many people uh, are hospitalized once they have COVID. And if you watch the far left media, you thought over 50%. If you watch the far right uh, media, you thought less than 1%. And I don't know what the true percentage is, but I don't think that it's either. It's either. But so many people were just... it. it It really COVID could have been a time that our country came together and kind of, you know, sang kumbaya for a little bit. And it did the opposite. It just it really polarized and it became vaxxers versus anti-vaxxers, mass versus mass, lockdown versus keep going.
2: That's what it did. Yeah. Yeah. But I think it also made a lot of us in the middle realize we don't like left or right. That's true. Bingo i, mean, I do not about you, but that, like, I'm so tired of left and right. I can't stand it because I don't. I don't really feel like either one of them are like. No. That. So, and as soon as you say that, to somebody like half the room says that's right because they don't feel the same way too. So maybe it'll give us what we really want, which is a middle where we're like, you know what, ninety-five percent of the blue and ninety-five percent of the red will get along just fine if we could just get rid of the five percent on the ends.
1: I think we all basically want the same things. We all want to live a health, have a healthy life have a chance for our kids to succeed and make something of themselves and have the government to leave us alone and let us make our own decisions and let us live with our freedoms. I think we all want the same thing. And we want to live in a world that's safe. And we want, I we think, want police officers and we want law and order. I think everybody
2: wants that. Well, then we need to make sure that everybody's got the the tools necessary to do what they need to do their job. Because when you take a person and you put them in a stressful situation, like a police officer and they're answering, you know how many, they're, they, they are not trained to deal with mental health issues that they're that they're given on a daily basis. If, if there's a mental health issue, you call the police first. They don't have any training on that because we don't spend any money on mental health. So when you put a, a man or a woman in that situation over and over again, you're creating stressors on them that, that I think are unfair personally. And so we have these individuals out there that are stressed to a point where they don't, it's not that they're not capable, they just don't have the tools and and how do we expect them to succeed in that manner with those people if we don't give them the right tools and training and, and help?
0: Yeah. And when you, th- when you look at the number of cell phones that are in these guys' faces and you know, we, uh, we had, a, we had, we've had several police officers on police officers on and you know, we've had a litany of guests, but the, the amount of variety that, Cops, the calls that they go to, like they'll go from helping an old lady change in a flat on a freeway, to a domestic abuse, to a guy that hatcheted up his four-year-old because he was crying too much at night. Like that's 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 just in the spectrum of a of a normal police officer's day. And then they get a shithead that doesn't want to listen to orders, and then they rough them up a little bit because they've had a bad day and they've seen some shit. And the cell phones are everywhere. And I'm not condoning that, but we don't do a good enough job of taking care of the guys that make sure that peace and prosperity flourish in america.
1: you go you you if you deal with a police officer, Highland Park's a very up to do wealthy neighborhood in Dallas. Jerry Jones lives there the bush bush George Bush lives there. I mean that's where a lot of big money no hunting outfitters live in Highland Park. I mean, it's a big money deal there. Everybody's got on private jet. Those police officers that work that neighborhood, I got a buddy of mine that worked there, and he told me, he said, it's amazing the way I'm treated there. So we go to the cafe to have dinner there. I said, people want to buy your lunch. They thank you. Blah, blah, blah. Then he goes five miles over to South Oak Cliff, which is a low, high minority population, not very much money. You can pull every third person on the side of the road, walk and, and run a deal on them, and most of them have a have a rap sheet of some sort. And how everybody flips you off and calls you names and stuff. It's just crazy. The police officers. So if you get assigned to a good neighborhood, you go to work eight to five, and most of your days are not bad days. That guy that's working that bad neighborhood, though, he deals with shit all day long, and everybody lies to him all day long.
0: But that's been a generation. That's been generations. Yes. of people getting beat down in that neighborhood, and of course they're not going to have a good relationship with the, with the police. Because how many times have we seen, you know, the little kids have been taught that the police are bad. Yes, the police all the time. are there to take mom and dad away. So that's what they grow up with. So there's a lack of communication somewhere. And I don't know how we get that back, honestly. That's above my pay grade, way above, way above it.
2: <laughs> well, you got $10 billion you spent on Pax COVID. <laughs> what if we would have taken, taken $300 million and put real change in those neighborhoods for those people? I'm I'm not saying that this is all throwing money always fixes problems, right? But what if those people had hope outside of what they knew?
0: Right.
2: And what if the police officer saw that you're like, hey, Steve, you're walking down the street. I know you're dealing. Why are you doing that? There's a good job that can you can pay, you can be safe. It's not this, you're not gonna have to go work at Popeye's in the kitchen for the rest of your life. There's actually something you can do where you can get a good Christmas for your family. I don't know, it's it's an interesting thing because. There's all this money floating around, but then the police don't get it. The mental health don't get it. The housing people don't get it. You know, Pfizer gets it. Yeah, that's. So, you know, I look at it and and I think sometimes they put all of these police versus not, not, they get us to fight so we don't look at the bigger picture as they're just pouring money places that they don't need to be. I think what you said was right. I think the, the minorities there, they want their kids to be safe. They want a future. They want to feel themselves safe. They want to feel secure. And I think that the unfortunate thing in their world is, is the way they feel secure is a way that's illegal. And that puts them at odds with the police. Now the police want to feel secure and the people around them do. So we've created this, this micro culture that is continually going to fail while we're given hundreds of millions of dollars, billions of dollars to people who have their private jets, who I mean, you and I, we sit, we sit on an edge of a lake and and the ducks don't come and we still sit there and we're happy and peaceful. We're sitting next to our kids, and it's fine. We don't need we don't need a, a plane, and neither do most of these people, but we sit here and fight back and forth, but we spend so much money on things that are not necessary. Imagine if that police officer came in with a tool, like saying, Hey, let's walk down the street and get your real job, dude. Yeah. Instead of saying I've got to throw you up against the wall, what changes then? There's no options, is there? I mean, I don't know that neighborhood, but I'm guessing there's not a lot of options. There's A lot
1: more money in selling and slinging dope than there is working at Popeyes, like you said. And the hours are better. Yeah, and you you work for yourself. The problem no is taxes. the longevity on that is not very long. You're either going to go <laughs> to jail or you're going to die. Right. I mean, short that's, career. I, I agree. Yeah, that's, I
2: agree, But it's just funny how we look at the problem as being cops versus non-cops <clears> but really right. the problem is where's the money to fix the problem? Why, why do the roads look like they do in one neighborhood and the roads in another neighborhood look like garbage, you know, we, it went
1: to COVID. Went to we could, COVID. we could spend some of that money on hiring teachers. And oh. here, here, here's, here's a, here's another problem we have in the country is with the police. We have pushed a lot of good cops out cause they don't want to deal with all that bullshit. When you saw what happened in Minneapolis and I'm not George Floyd deal was a, that was a bad deal. That cop was a bad cop. What he did was wrong and stupid. But I worked with a lot of cops. Ninety-nine percent of police officers are great guys, and they do a good job. But when they saw the cities and all their uh, the the mayors and all these towns, you know, they 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 put the cops in a bad spot. They sit there and they let them riot and they burn and they don't do shit to these people and stuff. And then they got the regular citizens are like, "Why aren't you? You know, I've got this business I've had my whole life, and you're letting people loot and rob and burn it." And the cops are sitting there watching that. We have taken good cops, and they've left. They went and got other jobs. Because you can't pay a cop enough money to have to put up with the shit he has to put up with. So if we could have taken some of that money and we could have hired more teachers and we could have hired more police officers, and here's the thing. Black Lives Matter raised millions and millions and millions of dollars. How many cities in America have a youth center built by Black Lives Matter or have a college scholarship for Black Lives Matter? It doesn't happen. Same with Muslims. Muslims don't spend any money on their communities at all. That's killing our country right there. We need to take that money you're talking about instead of giving it to the uh, Congress and letting them wash the money with Pfizer and all these things. Put money into the inner cities and do things to help people. And it's not just inner city people. It's all kids in general. But give our teachers in these – like we live in a small town. It's hard for us to hire teachers here right now because there's a teacher shortage in Dallas and Houston, San Antonio. Them school districts pay a lot more money. But if a teacher would come to Knox City, they make, they would make less money, but they would have a better life.
0: Housing. One of the things that teachers are up against is Texas has uh, finagled the retirement. So I don't know how they do it in Utah, but there's a rule of 80 here in Texas. So the, your age plus the years of experience have to equal 80, and then you can retire. So what they've done now is you've still got the rule of 80. But for you to draw full retirement, you have to work until you're 62. So if you come out of college, four years, you're 22, 23 years old, Texas says you cannot retire as a teacher until you're 62, 40 years of work. Here's the kicker. You get a pay bump every year that you're a teacher in the state of Texas. That pay bump stops at year 20. 20 years of service, you're not going to get a pay raise from the state. You can get it from your school. But, but you, so that you're got your last pay raise if you go to work as a teacher at 22 is going to be at 42. So you're going to got, you have to work 20 more years for the state of
1: Texas for free. Who had a $15 billion surplus this year, I think.
0: I you're saw. not going to get another, you're not going to get another pay bump from the state of Texas for 20 years. You're not going to be able to keep anybody. Nobody's going to go into teaching right now. That, and then the kids
2: don't have hope because you got teachers that are dropping out. Yep. And then their options get less, and then we're shocked when they make bad decisions. Mm-hmm. Even though every one of us can think of one or two teachers that legitimately changed how we saw the world. Miss Ma, she changed my life. She didn't. She told me I was smarter than I was acting, and that I needed to be a better person. As fifth grade, I remember the talk to this day, and she changed everything for me. Because from that day, instead of just being a little pain in the butt every day at school and acting up. She said, "The reason why you're acting up is because you're too smart for this class, and I don't want that to be the case. You need to act better than." And you know what? She changed my life, right? Really? Yeah. Um. A Pfizer executive, my hedge fund managers—they never changed my life. Any? They didn't care. No. You know what I mean? And why would Miss Ma go back into school? Right. Why would she do that?
0: Yeah.
2: She. She was. She, I totally would have given her twice as much money today. Yeah. Like I would say, she's worth double because she changed my life, right? Mm-hmm. So you look at these people that want to change because in the middle, we all want the same things, and it doesn't matter which which zip code you're in, we all want the same things. It's it's just where I really think that that changing the way it is has to do with where that money's going. And I think you could change the whole world really rapidly.
1: Yeah. Do you um <clears throat> do you, do you watch TV much?
2: I don't. I I'm working and shooting videos. Like I do everything myself. So like. I came in early today to work. I'll be here till probably eight or nine o'clock tonight. So Isn't
1: it funny how the American think, dream is if you're self-employed, you work 16 hours a day and that's the American dream. And nobody knows that.
2: And then have your wife mad at you when you get home yep. Like every night. They're always mad at me when I get home.
1: <laughs> Sounds like a pharmacist in a hunting <laughs> you know, outfitter is the same. I the bills. She
2: tries a nice car. We're all right.
1: Yeah. Um, anyways, on, there's a, there's a series called the wire. It was a TV show and it showed inner city schools in Baltimore and it was a TV show, but it shows how horrible schools are. kids it's not just it's just not inner city schools there's lots of schools that way the the mess we put our kids in when they go to schools today is amazing the crap they have to be seeing they they see in their in their so i was
0: never a home so i'm on i'm actually on the local school board here which is funny but i was never this big advocate for homeschooling like i thought that kids needed to be with their peers especially at a certain age but I'm telling you what, and luckily, like Knox City is very, very small. Like my kid has 15 kids in his class, so I mean, it's very small. It's different than everyone else. Different than a you know big city. But I'm telling you what, the more stuff that I'm seeing from these schools <laughs> and the 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 gender stuff and just there's a lot of stuff that I would not. I don't. I don't uh, I don't look down at my nose whenever I hear of somebody homeschooling their kid anymore.
1: No, me neither. And I used to really judge people on that. And I've known a couple of people that have homeschooled, and I thought, you know, that's real, they're good kids. Yeah. Come from I mean, especially good, now a good place. I used my argument used to always be: you're setting your kid up for failure when he goes off to college and has to be learn how to social skills. They're, they lack that. Well, nowadays, I don't want my kids. I don't want my <laughs> grandkids hanging out with much I, them thugs. I
0: don't want those social skills. But I grew up you in... you know. What's,
1: Oh, go ahead. I grew up in the mid-80s, and I I saw kids do shit. I went to a big high school. I graduated with a class of 400 kids, which is not huge, but it's 400 kids. And I saw kids smoke dope at bus stops. I seen kids drinking alcohol in school. Um, I seen people have fights and, you know, normal shit. But we didn't have cops in school. We didn't worry about shootings at school. You know, there was fights, but when you got a fight, it was over. You had to worry about somebody coming to stab you or shoot you. And it's a different world we have now. But I think a lot of that has to do with parenting. Because even in the 80s, when I graduated from school, most of us, if we screwed up, we're going to get in some trouble at home. Today, kids aren't accountable at home at all. Parents send them to school and let the schools raise their children. But then when somebody wants to discipline their children, they get mad and upset about it. And right. they want to, they want to you know, it's not the way they want it done. Yeah. So anyways, I'm sorry to cut you off. Go ahead.
2: No, no, it's just fine. I actually just to augment your point there. You know, part of the audience that I have are all these young parents who don't know how to take care of their children. So I'll get messages all day long on a little mom that's sitting in. There this. There's this little nail salon in New York, and all of a sudden I had like it was at the beginning, so I noticed all of a sudden I had like 15 or 18. Of these um these ladies, they're all they're all these black ladies with these really long nails, and they're all following me and messaging messaging me. I'm like, how in the world did this happen? And apparently one of them there had a baby that had a, a a butt rash that wouldn't get better. And she'd been waiting to go see her doctor because she was on this wait list and she's like, It's bleeding, I've tried all these things. And so I sent her a little remedy out. I'm like, just do this and this, just run down today and get it. And it cleared it up, and then she started spreading the news, and it made me realize that. Me and those ladies would get along thick as thieves if we could go out to a barbecue. We would be like best friends ever. They just don't have the knowledge as parents that we used to say, hey, grandma, hey, mom, what do you do here? They just don't have that. And as soon as I gave it to them, boom, she was was on top of the world because she wants to take care of those kids. There's just not the engagement of the community around the individual parent when they struggle anymore. Now it's kind of – you're not part of us so good luck with what you got going on there it's because you did it to yourself and it was it's been amazing to me how fast and how many friends i make <laughs> all over the place just by sharing information that gives them the opportunity to be better parents like it's just that's the best part like when they call up and say my seven-year-old's got this or my baby's got that and i'm like well that's easy let me tell you what what my mom told me and next thing you know you're like best friends with these people yeah
0: one of the videos that that really turned me on to you. My son, he's eight, and he has he gets croup every year, and which has kind of baffled the doctors because all of them said he'd grow out of it by the time he was four or five. But uh, and, and you've got your you've got your croup cream on uh, on your TikTok. And luckily, I didn't have to use it. I found it uh, after the fact, but we got to go to the hospital, and it was a whole big thing. And I, I told my wife the next day. That video somehow magic. I guess TikTok heard me talking to the doctors about croup, oh, yeah. so <laughs> I, I see your video on your croup cream, and I was like, "Well, we'll just we'll make this up, and if he starts having an attack, then we'll we'll just rub it on." But luckily, we have not had to do that. But people just don't have information. Like I didn't know that that was
2: possible. So, what does the yeah, croup Daniel's cream croup- do? So that's Daniel's croup cream. Yep. So that's a really old. old- And so Daniel's crude cream actually has methyl salicylate in it. So there's a lot of people say, oh, don't put it on your kids because any salicylate can lead to rise syndrome. Um, But the Daniel's crude cream, the dosage of the salicylate is so low that there's zero evidence ever over the last, I think it's like from 1909 or something crazy, like how long it's been around. And then they put menthol and phenol in there. And so it's a bit of an irritant to the uh, chest. So when you breathe it in, that irritation of that stuff causes the vasodilation and the vascular, so then they can breathe better. Right. So it's the same concept of taking them outside. It's just done with chemicals instead of being done with with the cold air. Right. But that chemical jump to it because our lungs want to all of a sudden dilate, opens up that croup so you don't get that crunch. It's better if you go to the hospital and get dexamethasone. The problem is not everybody can do that, afford it, or get in there anyway. And who's got, what is it, $500 to go to the ER that night anyway? Right. So. Yeah.
0: They gave him so
2: uh, racemic epi. I think, yeah, that's actually over the counter. That's over the counter. Yeah, it, it's technically over the counter.
1: Cost you twelve thousand dollars though.
2: What, what well, it Well, so there's there's an inhaler over the counter that is called Primatine Mist, and it's it's racemic epinephrine. But everybody doesn't want to tell anybody because they think if we tell them, you'll all hurt yourself. So you got to keep it a secret. And I think you know the risks of epinephrine. You can go get it take care of your kids, but it's just called, it's called primatine mist. I've and got it's that. Over the that's, that's racemic epinephrine.
0: <laughs> I've got that. I did not know that. They keep
2: it a secret because, because they worry that if we tell parents this and they don't go see the doctor, that we're going to have more, more harm to kids. And I, I tell you what, if a parent can grab a nose and head to the ER, which is what they're going to do, and their kid gets better along the way then great. if not, they're going to go in. No parent's going to, I don't, I just believe parents love their kids. They don't want them to get hurt. Right. Yeah. So, so, but it's over the counter. Yeah,
0: I've got it because I have uh, I have asthma during like hunting season when whenever we're out in the fields and stuff like that. All the dust that gets popped up, like every night, my chest gets heavy, and I'll take a hit. I usually I thought the I thought that primatine mist was like not as good as albuterol, so I don't I don't take it as much. I've also got an albuterol.
2: albuterol. But the way it works is it is at racemic epinephrine. So racemic epinephrine is going to raise your heart rate uh-huh. and your blood pressure. And so they don't like it because if you have somebody who's who's eaten barbecue their whole life and weighs 370 pounds and has sodium that's through the roof and we give it to them and, and their heart's on the edge, then theoretically you could hurt that person where they'd have a heart attack a little bit early. <laughs> a little bit Chains early. On the other hand, it can bounce their heart rate up to, I don't know, close to 280. You know what I mean? And they come right back down because their hearts are young. So that risk factor is a lot less. And the idea of waiting in an ER room or an Instacare room for four hours with crew is, I think, more dangerous than having parents have a choice. Yeah. So His
0: oxygen was down to 80% whenever we So he would have gone in anyway. Yeah.
2: He would have gone in anyway, right? But if you could have hit him with that on the way there, then that's a twofer.
0: Son of a bitch. I didn't know that. What what about... um, He was struggling that night. He's had it since he was two. The last time he had it was the scariest because he was uh, he was in bad and we did the hot we did the hot shower and then out into the cold and then we did the breathing treatment and it was bad. Should just I give him?
2: a with my second with my second my third boy. I've raced down a canyon because I need I knew he needed to have a steroid in because I couldn't get it. stop. It's a scary thing as parents. So any options you give them, they're going to take them and do everything to fix their kid. I'm Not going to say, well, I did this one. That's not a normal term
1: So right. What what I got another question for you. What why is fenugrin not over the counter?
2: Uh, if you take too much fenugrin, it'll give you what's called EPS effects and it'll make you like move like a zombie and it messes with your cognition. Zofran is the one that should be over the counter. Zofran. Zofran. Yeah, Zofran should be over the counter. But in order to move a drug from behind the counter to over the counter, there's two ways to do it. The drug company has a fast track. Have the right can you scoot to over to the left just a yeah, little bit? We're breaking up. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry about that. There no, you go. Good. So, right there. There's two ways to uh, to get a cut to OTC to make a drug go OTC. One of them is, is the drug company originally found it has a fast track. They have the rights to move it over the counter. And they have to come in with original data and a little bit extra data. And then they get exclusivity. I think it's for seven years. And so when they get to a point where they think that there's a big enough market, they can do it really easily. The other way you move it over is called the citizen's petition. Now, a citizen's petition would cost you between three and ten million dollars in order to move it across. Mm. And you only get six months of exclusivity. So the process to move a drug over the counter has really been given into the pockets of the drug manufacturers and not made for the consumer. If the consumer could do it, we would have options like Zofran that's over the counter. And imagine being having the pukes and be able to go buy three Zofran right. instead of like, and, and, and what, I mean, the Zofran side effect wise, headaches.
1: <laughs> if I'm puking, uh, I don't mind so having I'm a headache. Just,
2: so, you know what I mean? And I, when I'm puking, <laughs> I usually, like pulling my head next to the toilet. So it's already hurting. I mean, you know,
1: because every, every family in America, every, every family in America has got fenegrin or Zofran that they've hoarded back hoarded. just in case of an emergency. Yeah.
2: Every single one of them and it works easy and, and you wish you had it when you didn't and to go sit and wait in that waiting room while you have the craps and you got the pukes and you're like, okay, I just need three Zofran and I can get out of here. So now you do the teledoc, and you have to pay the teledoc $150, but you know what you need. Yeah. I don't know. It's an interesting I, – I think accessibility and, less, and having it be buyer beware more of saying this is the risks and you already know it. I think that that would be a better system for people. But
0: I saw that of all the developed countries, the United States is last in healthcare. There's like 37 con- developed, countries like first world countries. The United States is ranked 37. How come everybody comes
1: here that's got a lot of money? I don't know.
0: The, I, think it w- I think a lot of it had to do with affordability, availability. But the way that they judged all of the developed countries, we were dead last.
2: Well, it's because our, we spend the most of our gross domestic product on healthcare we spend more than everybody else combined you know mm-hmm. we talk about how socialized medicine would be the worst thing in the world but then you look at the numbers we're already spending more than socialized medicine com- countries then they say well it takes too long if you go to canada you know how long it takes to get an M- mri you know how long it takes here it takes three months here like it's not we're already spending so much money and so the accessibility is also really low too you can have somebody that's got medicaid and to see a dermatologist, they'll be nine months. Imagine having a rash for nine months to go see a dermatologist. How is that? You know, even with my insurance, what is, I don't know what you guys pay, but for my insurance, for my family, I'm $1,600 a month, and I've got an $8,000 deductible.
1: Right? Yeah, my me and Michelle, yeah. me and my wife are on one. I think We got shitty insurance, and I pay 700 a month, and it's absolutely horrible. And it's horseshit. You Doesn't can't cover use it for nothing. Na- fuck, no. We're getting a head-on collision or something. It might pay $10,000, but it ain't going to pay crap. But you got to have it. But it's it's horrible. Insurance is terrible. Insurance, healthcare is only good for the really really poor if they can go to an ER and have something a heart attack or stroke or something, or for people that are wealthy enough to be able to afford a twenty five hundred dollar a month policy. Otherwise, you're you're just at the mercy unless you work at a big company. I, I it's it's the biggest farce in the world. And what sad? What's crazy is is if you want to know where the money is, you can go to any city in America and you can go look at their oncology clinic they're building. Every city in America has got a brand new $50 million oncology clinic they've built because that's where all the money's at right now. Yeah, And that's sad. I mean, my dad died of cancer a couple of years ago, and I would take him to that place. And I thought, man, those people working there, that's a special place for people. And and it's not discriminatory. People come in public buses, and there's people drive up in brand new Mercedes. But that's where all the money is, is cancer these days.
0: Let me ask you about this, because this is something that we've talked about. Do you think that cancer is in every one of us and it's waiting for the right set of circumstances to manifest itself? Or is this something that because I've always you always wonder, like, did people die of cancer 500 years ago? Or did they not live long enough for the cancer to become a problem? What do you think about this?
2: Well, that's coming for, from us all, for us all, Andy. Yep. So it's going to get you one way or the other. If we outlive it, if you outlive the heart attacks, which we can slow down, and we can get rid of the blood pressure, cancer is always brewing, and, and then in most cases, the cells will catch themselves and get rid of it. So there's cancer in each one of us. Every one of us, right now on this podcast, will have, we'll, we will have prostate cancer if we li- live long enough. Really? It, it will happen. You will have prostate cancer if you live long But You'll probably die of dementia or a cold before it ever gets you. Right. So you know, I mean, the average de- death was what? 58? 100 years ago. Yeah. So we, and then we come out now we're making assumptions on what does what in less than 100 years, and we don't even understand there's not enough data out there. So yeah, I think cancers in every single one of us, I also think that we're living longer than we ever have before, and, if, and longevity isn't always a great thing.
1: Yeah, well, that's no shit. We had two people pass away in our little town in the last couple of days. Cancer? And I just, uh, what, 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 I can't remember what, but neither one of them had cancer. I think they both have had cancer, but it was from other things. But they outlived their body by a year. My dad was the same way. My dad lived for a year of being absolutely freaking miserable. That wasn't living. You know, if it wasn't for modern right. medicine, he would have died a, long, a, a year earlier.
0: Well, he had a heart attack in 2005, and he's, he
1: had the record, didn't he? Eight bypasses? No, I think I think he had six or seven bypasses. Six or seven. But he ate eight ice cream sandwiches the day of it. You know, we didn't want them to melt. Yeah. But he lived a good life. He, he bought a, a
0: box of ice cream sandwiches coming back from a town, and he didn't have a cooler, so they're gonna melt. I gotta eat them all.
1: But that's right. And he, and he lived ten years after that. But what I'm saying is he had, he died of cancer. So he got lung cancer, but he also had an onset of leukemia that he'd been fighting. They they gave him two years to live. And he lived about four years. He lived a great life, but his last years were miserable. If it wasn't for modern medicine, he would have died before that. And, but the, the last year of his life, all he was was a piggy bank for the um, a cancer and insurance to so made all the money off of him. They wanted
2: him alive. Right. You know, but that's, they are incentivized. There is a lot of money those last few years of, of life, and they're they're really tough because the decision to make, who do you give that money to? We just talked about kids in these schools, and we want them to not be in that culture. We want them to have options and 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 we want them to be different than everything else, but then we spend three million dollars on somebody who if we extend their life, it'll be a year. You know, I mean the money. It's never going to fix it if we. When you have somebody's at that stage, and to mention Alzheimer's is even worse because once they lose that their mind, they can live for ten years and not recognize anybody, and they're they can be pooping on themselves and they can be taken care of constantly. Yeah. And the money we spend on those individuals. So when you're in leadership, you need to make those hard decisions, and you need to stand by them. You need to quit placating to people and say, "Look, this is a sad situation that this person's dying, but it's even more sad that this little kid." Now has a life where they'll never have options. Right. Or this police officer just went to forty-seven calls on domestic violence because of mental health, and we've gotten zero training. Those they need to have a little more courage to say we're going to have to put th- these people aside, and we've got to have to take care of these people first because we don't have that the resources to do everything. Well, I'm, I'm going to say something
1: that's going to absolutely catch me some shit on this because I always catch shit. We ought to be able to put people to sleep. That sounds absolutely horrible, but my God, I got a a labradoodle in there that I absolutely love, Ollie. He's five years old.
0: We're not animals, Jeff.
1: No, Yes, we are. And at 10 years of age, if Ollie is having any kind of problems like that, I'm going to put him to sleep. He's suffering. I'm going to put him to sleep. My dad, I was in the doctor's office with my dad, and I asked, I go, Dad, wouldn't it be nice if we can just put you to sleep? He goes, it sure would be. My wife got on to me when we, I can't believe you said that in front of your dad.
0: How did you glean that question off of what he said? He was talking
1: about wasting all the money we spend oh, on the you're years. Saying we ought to just, just the, the, do away with the old
0: people when they come I across a problem.
1: No, I didn't say with a problem, but if mm. you got someone that's terminal, it's a blurry line, Jeff. If someone is terminally ill, and they are bedridden and they're going to sit there or somebody with dementia. We got a nursing home up here with people with dementia. They've been there for seven, eight, nine years. They don't know who they are. They don't have any quality of life. They would be better off to be put to sleep. I'm telling you right now. You say
0: they might not think that. Well,
1: I'm telling you right now and everybody that's listening to this. If I get that situation, someone please put a pillow over my face and suffocate (laughs) me. Okay. I don't want to live that way.
2: I think you just made a
1: few people that would be willing to do that. And that's fine. I'm okay with that, but you you can't tell me, as a pharmacist that we wouldn't be better off if we could put people to sleep that are sitting there. Same with with death row. If you're going to be in death row for the rest of your life in prison, put them to sleep. Also I'm there both ways. Save a lot of money there too. Yep.
2: Well, it's, you know, the the problem is we've taken (laughs) away choices from people there. I have been in the room with people who have suffered with cancer for a lot of years who were on hospice who wanted that. And it's, it's a very, I think that, in that, situ- in that situation with those people that want it, to take away somebody's choice in medicine has to be looked at on an individual basis. And you have to look at it in a way that's very humane and saying, is this really what you want? Because we, we all know that when we start telling other people what they should do with medicine, right. and we, we paint with a broad stroke, uh, stroke and say, this, this applies to everybody, we have wronged people. And I think that we educate people, really educate them, and people should be able to make choices they want to make. And I think I'm really big on that. Educate them and let them choose.
0: Has there ever been a policy where you could uh, opt into this uh, euthanization ever in any country?
1: Dr. Kavorkian.
0: Well, I knew him, but he was doing that. Oregon under t-
2: had some rules that were there. There's, And I know that there are countries that do allow for it at terminal stages. Right. I mean... It allows-
0: when you look at these, they, go ahead. I don't know.
2: I was going to say, have you ever seen somebody die of colorectal cancer and they're sitting next to their family and they've got this bag? It's bubbling their turd as it goes through because they can't stop it. They're half awake. They've lost. They, they're they going to die. They've said their goodbyes and then they wait another two weeks, right. three months, yeah. six months. And, and there's nothing anybody can do. And they are aware of it, you know. I I would say that there is opportunity there to give people choice, power, and respect on the way out.
0: And that's not how anybody wants to be remembered. You know, having your family gathered around you for two weeks while you're in this kind of semi awake uh condition with, like you said, just this horrific scene. You know,
1: people wanna people also wanna die with a little bit of dignity. You know what your father in law told me? My father in law told me, your mom's your grandpa told me before he died? Uh-uh. He he. My both Andy's both my wife and my dad both died of lung cancer. <clears throat> my wife's dad was sick four weeks and dead. I mean, from the time we found out he had lung cancer till he was in the ground was four weeks. It was quick. But he told one of the last things he ever told me. It might be the last thing he told me is we ran. We was going to see him and they said, oh no no no, no. And they were having to wipe his ass. Really? Yeah. And he he told me he said Jeff, you just can't believe how uh, it's just any dignity a man has is gone right now. And the defeat in his eyes, and he's like, and I knew he was going to die. I didn't know it was going to be within two, 48 hours or something at that time. Right. But that's one of the last things he ever told me was that right there. And, and that's true. And, and all these people that have that that are in these situations, um, the guy that played for the Chicago Bears, I think it was Steve McMichael was his name. He was calling him the animal or something. He was all-pro defensive end. He's got ALS. And he's withered away to about 105 pounds now. And he was a 250, 70, 250 275-pound 250, stud, big athlete, looked like a pro wrestler, lived his life, had a great time and stuff. He's withered away in that bed. You can't tell me if you gave him the choice that he would not rather be dead than the way he's living right now. And I'm speaking for him, of course. I don't right. know the man. But just anybody that lived their life and was active and did stuff does not want to live their life laying in a bed for five, six, seven, eight months. And it's not dignified. I mean, it's very, it, you know, it's not, you're, you've lost your dignity. Yeah.
2: Well, and it's not, you wake up every morning to another day of pain. Yes.
1: I mean, yeah, there's nothing, there's nothing there of, and, and my dad, the last time my dad was at the lodge, the, the, and you knew it was the end, it was miserable for him. I've, I was mm-hmm. so, when they told us, Dad, they called, Tony told, told me, he said, dad passed away this morning. I just tried to call him on his phone. He didn't answer. I was, we was going to do a podcast. I was going to go see him. We, they just called hospice in. First thing I said was good for dad. Same thing. I he was tired of getting poked. Like, you know, he was always there sticking him here, there. Like he was done.
2: Jimmy Carter's what, ninety-eight? Yep. Yeah. Brain cancer. Yeah. Yeah. And he
1: probably won't make it through the
2: day. And and you know, and he struggled and he fought, but you know, being able to go out on your terms when you know you're gonna go out, there's some power in that. And I think that I don't think it's the government's place to to dictate to us our medical care. I think they should have just stayed out from the beginning. So
1: yeah. There's a man right there. I had absolutely zero, zero in common with him as a politician, his policy. But as a person, he was genuinely like a, a really human? good man. He was a good human being. He was. He's he, a great. He he cared about people. He really, really, he should have never been in politics. He was too nice a guy to have been a president.
2: His decisions he made were based out of kindness, caring, and truly believed he could make the place a better world, whether or not you agreed with it. Right. He didn't go in trying to get a dollar.
1: No, no, no. And, he was a good man, good person.
2: And that's, that's amazing. And, and that's the way politics should be that you respect and revere somebody who you didn't agree with because they were really trying to make the world better. Yep. And yeah. he, and, and he
1: was, he was a, and he brung us, his brother was a classic. So that made it even better, but he was a, he is a good person. <laughs> I didn't believe in his politics. Me and him are different there, but as a human being, he is a good man and the world's going to be a worse place off when he's gone and he won't make it through. He, I, if he makes it through the day, I'll be surprised. He's in really bad, bad shape.
0: Um, yeah. you, you did a video on, drugs that were legal that were that are now illegal and cocaine was one of them. Was cocaine yeah. wide like was that just pretty much hey you got a toothache let's give you a little bit of this? Drink a Coca-Cola. At
2: the very beginning they gave cocaine for just about everything. In fact, cocaine was still legal. I think I still can get a hold of it for topical application because they use it for nose surgeries. It's not the best use, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. But it was available across, you know, you could get it for just about it. They used it for, originally, they used it for every sort of psychological issue that there is out there, you know, because it made you feel better for a while. And then they, they had enough overdose and enough problems with it that they moved it to a scheduled two medication. And it, it still said it a scheduled two medication, meaning you can still prescribe it. As of a few years ago, I had it in my store, I don't know, four or five years ago. I had one doctor that still used it. So it was used for, for quite a long time. Um, and, yeah, you could – they wrote it for everything for a while. They put it in every cough syrup. They put it in – your kid had croup. They put a little bit of that in there. They, they, they made out of – who was it? Was it Clients? One of the companies made a, made their livelihood off of methamphetamine. That's how they, they're still alive, is it's all methamphetamine. Oh, like that's that was it was in everything. It was over the counter. You could just walk into a pharmacy for twenty, thirty years and just pick it up over the counter for whatever you wanted. And that's where they made their money and is that now that's why they're getting all the money they have now. So
1: do they still sell Sudafed? They do.
2: It's just behind the counter because
1: you can cook it in the mouth, right? But can the you, can you average person buy it, or do you have I to sell it a, in New Mexico when we were skiing? You still can buy Sudafed,
2: yeah? They can come in and get it from us. We just have to manage it. You have to, you can only give them so many milligrams per month, and you have to turn it into a system so you can track somebody who's trying to cook up a batch.
1: What's it called, smurfing when they go buy boxes at every different place to go make their shit?
2: yeah? But they don't even like there's no reason to do that anymore. There's you know, you can. It's too easy to get it elsewhere for you to make it at home. It's not a – Mexico will bring you everything you want. Yeah. They, they don't care.
1: I had a guy – don't We had a local guy here that used to cook meth, and he and he was a friend of mine, a really nice guy. I really liked him. <laughs> Jeff's but never
0: done meth. I've never <laughs>
1: done a drug in my – I've never done an illegal drug in my life. I've never smoked a cigarette, marijuana, or anything in my life. This guy, I like this guy because he was really smart. He was a brilliant person. But he would tell – and I love to ask him about cooking dope. And he would tell me about how you – Hey, you do this and you'd move the ether off and you'd add this and it smelled like this. You would do this and shit. And I thought you're too fucking smart to been smoking dope. You should have been working for fucking Pfizer, making drugs for people. Smart, (laughs) smart, smart guy. Amateur, amateur chemist.
2: They're usually smart. He's got guys that use their product to get in trouble.
1: So, well, he's not, he's no longer with us.
2: So, yeah. (laughs) Uh,
0: So one of my last questions and we're going to start wrapping up because I know you got to go save lives. Um, we're seeing more and more states that are legalizing, uh, marijuana, cannabis. Uh, do you think that this is going to continue? Because, um, I, growing up, I was, I was raised by Jeff and he was raised under the, uh, this is your brain on drugs and it shows the scrambled eggs. I have since realized that we were told, we were misled about specifically marijuana Um, and I think, you know, a lot of, there, there's a lot of benefits that we are not tapping into Texas. Every marijuana is totally illegal. You can't use it medicinally, definitely not recreationally. I think that there are a lot of cancer patients like Jeff's dad, my grandfather, he would have probably benefited and maybe been off of one of his prescription medications had marijuana been available. What do you think? Do you think that we're going to continue to see this push towards legalization or is it work too well and we're going to get, uh, blocked?
2: Uh, I think, I think it'll keep moving forward. If you look at all the medications we use for similar, so let's just look at Xanax versus, versus marijuana. So Xanax, you can get it, you get a prescription, you go in and it takes care of your nerves. It helps you settle down. It's got an addiction potential. It interacts with, with opiates. And so it increases your chance for death with opiates But we prescribe it every single day, right? Every day I send it out the door. Marijuana is not worse than Xanax. Marijuana is worse than a Tylenol. But Xanax is worse than a Tylenol. So to demonize one single entity seems, uh, doesn't seem to make any sense. It's almost like it just got the label that marijuana is where we're starting. And and by demonizing the one we never looked into say, well, what if we took marijuana and we were able to pull out one of the 137 active ingredients and that one now we can stop nausea because it gives them so they'll eat and it, we don't get the other side effects because that's what we usually do is we find a plant and rip it apart. We study it for years. But marijuana, because it's a schedule one medication, it would, they haven't done the research that could have found, I don't know, 15, 20, 30 medications out of the one. Right. And then, so I think, I think now it's so widely used that the research will continue on, and you'll see it get more isolated on what works, what doesn't work, and and I think that I just I don't like the way that they've done it because now they've made it to where I don't know you get a marijuana cart here in Utah and you can go get as much as you want. You can just say that you're anxious and you're buying twenty two <laughs> pounds of the stuff, and there's not, you know what I mean. So I, I, it's funny to me that they haven't done it differently, but I think that legalizing it and allowing it to be researched would be valuable to a point of, of of necessity. I also am a big fan of mushrooms in comparison to most a lot of my antipsychotics if you did it in the right way with the right therapists. I don't, I'm don't. i not saying everybody should go out and buy mushrooms and, and weed off the right. street. What I'm saying is in a clinical setting, I don't understand why we demonize these few things and not researching what can we learn, what can we glean from them. Because mushrooms are pushing fast. Too. Yeah, I've seen
0: that. Um, I've, I've seen that they're making a big, uh, they're making a big comeback. Why do you think, I mean, what happened in America where everybody just kind of freaked out and, you know, like, oh, no, we we, we can't let this out?
2: I, I do think the, the Reagan administration war on drugs changed a mindset making the drugs an enemy. In the war, rather than taking the idea that it's the organizations and how they're making money off the drugs and who they're pushing it to, they actually made the marijuana the crack, the as as the actual enemy. Where it's not the marijuana, it's not the crack. They're not really it's it's the organizations that are making money, how they're making money off of it, how they're being distributed, what violence comes from that was the problem. Whereas if you if you fold them in and take care of them. If you made marijuana cheap enough to get from the pharmacy, there's no money for for the drug for the cartels to make money. And you did that in the '80s, and you're like, "Well, you can go get it, get a doctor's prescription. You can go get this stuff, right?" Right. If you can go get it from me for seven dollars, well, the cartels aren't making any money off, so they'll go find something else to make money off of, and the violence would still be there even if you remove the marijuana. So it's it's an interesting thing to me as a pharmacist, us not doing extensive research on things that God gave us here to work with. Right. Seems really odd. Instead, we're out there trying to create new chemicals instead of even looking what's already here. I don't I don't like it. I think we should be doing more research. Well, there's, and that's, there's no profit in something you can grow in your no, backyard. No, I mean, you
0: can grow it yourself if, if push came to shove. Right. And yes. I mean, if you look at uh, what the barbiturates and uh, all sorts of these, just these crazy list of this cocktail that a lot of Americans take on a daily basis. And like it could all go away with a couple of things that grow naturally here.
2: If
1: tomatoes cured cancer, they'd be illegal. You would, that they would be. That's exactly right. They would be. The CIA <laughs> well, could,
2: It is all. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah. I don't. I don't disagree with anything you're saying. That there's, you know, it's it's you got to look at why aren't we doing research? Yep. Research. There's nothing wrong with education.
1: Yep. CIA can, and we
2: stopped education.
1: The yeah. CIA can't make a profit, so we're not going to do it.
0: That's right. Oh, have you ever, have you ever, uh, Quaaludes? They're a schedule one drug now. Did you, have, was there ever a time in your, uh, uh, career that they were legal or prescribed?
2: No, Quaaludes like, totally intrigued me because they were used so heavily for so many years and then they completely disappeared. So that, that whole story of Qualudes, that's a whole podcast all by itself. Like, it is. And then once they disappeared, they were just gone. Like, Nobody touched them, but they were every place for so long. It's a very interesting story, but I've never seen them.
0: Never seen because I've seen the Wolf of Wall Street, and I guess that was his drug of choice. And I guess what they're they're like a sleep aid, or, or are they a mood enhancer?
2: Yeah, it's it's it just it just settles everything down. Like you're just it slows it down, and 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 you're able to function. But you couldn't even get him during the wall. I think during that it shows that he couldn't find them anymore because it was right during the time where they just like completely dried up. They dried up because there was no money. For the illegal dealers in it because it got so cheap so they quit producing them in these factories and they moved to things that were more profitable and that's where some of these other harsher drugs came from like meth and things like that because you could there were higher margins. Right. So it's it's interesting which demon we have versus how much money an illegal organization has and they just they keep blaming the drug and not the organization.
0: Right. Well, listen, this has been a ton of fun. I'm so glad that we got this done. I've been looking forward to doing this for a long time. Um, It has been an absolute pleasure and uh, keep up the good work and you know, you're, you're making a difference out there and that's important. And I, I know on, you know, you're in that social media game like I am and you probably don't hear that enough, but you are making a a difference. Um, And it's amazing how one bad comment really sticks out and like there's, 60 others that are positive but you look at that one and it just irritates you. So
2: yeah, yeah, you know, just re- I always remind myself that that it's like a toddler. When your toddler throws a fit is being nasty, what they need most is just a little bit of love and attention. So what I've tried to do with people like that is no matter how bad or nasty they get, say something kind in return and it's interesting how many of them just disappear or change their tune really quick cuz I actually I don't think there's as many bad people in this world as we like to pretend. No, that's- they're out there. But I don't think there's as nearly as many as we like to pretend.
1: That's exactly right. Phil reminds me of a guy on TV. Who? If you watch the series New Amsterdam, the guy that's the head, the the star, the doctor, reminds me a lot of him. Just a good person. Tries to help people. History. That's a great series. I'm telling you, a great
2: series. I'll,
1: I'll check it
0: out. Look it. I'm going to give Jeff. Well, a- thank you, guys.
2: I appreciate. It. I am going to go to work though. Yep. My staff's staring at me. They want me to get out there and get back. We
0: appreciate you. I'm going to go get Jeff some Panaris. Uh, good luck up there. And if there's anything we can ever do for you, let us know. Okay. No, thank you,
2: sir. Thanks for having me on. It was a pleasure. And thank you,
1: sir. God bless you and good. Day. Have a great day. Bye bye. You too. Interesting guy, Andy. You doing a good job. Yeah, very good guy. Very, very, very good. I'm telling you that New Amsterdam is a great. What is series. it about? It's about a, do- a hospital in New York City, and it's a hospital, a jail. A prison and a <clears throat> uh, foster home
2: hmm.
1: or an orphanage for kids, and it's all in one big deal. And they get they, they live off of uh, it's public, it's free do- free hospital, and they deal with some. It's a it's a show, so you know it's it's on NBC, I guess, but it's on Netflix. But I started watching it; It's very 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 good. And I mean, I'm telling you what, now I've been three episodes and I've cried three times. Don't cry on each episode. I'm not watch it's a very quiet. good. I was sitting there on the airplane the other day. I tears coming down my eyes and stuff. Mom looks at me. She's like, what's going on? I'm like, point in
0: Amsterdam. It got me.
1: Yeah. Mom was watching some other trash. She was watching Star is Born, so I think she was crying too. <laughs> Nasacort, Panaris. That's what you need, Jeff. Nasacort and Panaris. A little bit of this, a little bit of that. You know. Fix your ride on up. He is at a, um, one of my favorite people in the world was the old pharmacist that we had in Knox City. Right. And Larry. And my um, mom was pregnant with pain about 2 o'clock in the morning. She was throwing up. She was freaking sick. We had just moved to Knox City. I didn't know anybody in Knox City hardly. And um, I called the pharmacy. I called Larry Staggs at his house at 1 o'clock in the morning. That takes some balls. I had some balls. <laughs> and I said, listen, my wife is throwing up. She's pregnant. She said, do you have anything? He said, yeah, I'll come down here. And I went down there, and he handed me a, some uh, fenegrin through the window.
0: Don't you know, have that service anymore. No,
1: no, not at all. Just a really good, good, good dude. And um and he done a lot of that stuff. He done that for a lot of people. Probably what he done was probably illegal as hell. It would be today. <laughs> but he was a good pharmacist and he cared about people. She
0: overdoses on finegrin somehow.
1: But he gave us fenegrine and she took it and she quit throwing up, but just a really good guy. But you know, or I could go to the emergency room and take two hours and somebody's right. time to do the same damn thing. Yep. You know, common sense. All right. Thank y'all for listening to this. Andy, you be safe on this. Oh, you'll be this will come out Monday. I'll be back oh, when this comes well, out. Oh, well, good deal. Take some stuff for a hangover. There you go. See y'all. Bye. Go
0: check out our sponsors. Go check out uh, Stanford Hunting Outfitters, Dirty Duck Coffee, Ducks Unlimited, Double T British Kennel, Bangtail Whiskey, Alpha Outdoors, Hunt Proof App, Looking Glass Podcast, Lucky Duck, Shin Gear Waders, Gundog Outdoors, Pacific Calls, Dive Bomb Industries, Boss Shot Shells, and Mossbergs.